HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Square. If you run a restaurant or business, Square has the tools to help you stay connected to customers, shift your business, and navigate this uniquely challenging time. Learn more at square.com slash go slash great nation. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guests are Billy Durney and Jeff Porter. We'll talk to Billy and Jeff about life during COVID-19, natural wine, barbecue, of course, and a lot more. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Brooklyn's own Billy Durney grew up to follow in his dad's footsteps. After a long career in private security, Billy left to pursue his love of barbecue. As a kid, he got a whiff of that burning barbecue wood at his grandma's house in Pennsylvania and later in Texas at Louis Miller's. He opened Hometown Barbecue in Red Hook, Brooklyn in 2013, and the rest, they say, is history. He later opened Red Hook Tavern and a Hometown Barbecue in Industry City and Miami. He has also brought his love of natural wines front and center at Red Hook Tavern. Jeff Porter left jobs on the West Coast to come east and spend over 10 years at the Batali Bastianich Hospitality Group, including Del Posto. Jeff ultimately rose to beverage operations director for the group. He is now a hospitality and beverage consultant based out of New York City and has a deep love and knowledge of Italian wines. Billy and Jeff, we had you scheduled to be live in the studio on April 1st. 
but the COVID-19 virus hit the fan, so we had to cancel. <laughs> so we are now doing a remote. The three of us are sitting somewhere, remotely talking into a mic, recording via Zencaster. So guys, I want to welcome you to the Grape Nation fin finally. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're My happy to be here. All right, so what I want to do is I want to spend part of the show discussing how the COVID-19 virus has affected you. Um, but before we get into that, Billy, I want, and Jeff, I want to give our listeners a little context um, about who you are. So, Billy, you could start. Give me a quick history of your journey in life, food, and wine that got you sort of the current, which is Hometown Barbecue, Red Hook Tavern, um, and, and, you know, what you're doing now. We'll talk about COVID after. And then when he's done, Jeff, you know, you jump right on. So, Billy, go. Yeah, so my, uh, my, my, uh, my culinary journey started with um, really bad barbecue in the backyard in the Old Mill Basin in Brooklyn with my dad, uh, you know, grilling burgers and hot dogs until they were like hockey pucks and uh, <laughs> and and, uh, and and drinking um and watching my granddad drink schlitz out of a can so that's Oof. that's kind of that's kind of where my culinary and and uh and and life and life life of wine and spirits has started so okay um so i've come i've come a long way uh since then but yeah, i'm a kid grew up in the flapper section of brooklyn um, you know, middle class, low middle class family, hardworking family. Um, you know, always cherished my dad and wanted to be just like him, and uh, tried to go into the military and kind of follow his route through that path. And um, you know, uh, wound up uh, not being able to do that because I found out I was actually born with one kidney, randomly enough. So wow, yeah, re really random. And then. Um, you know, kind of grew up and my dad was a security expert uh, when he got out of the military and kind of, you know, followed in his footsteps that way. And um, one thing led to another and I had a really, you know, wonderful career traveling around the world in private protection. And, um, you know, my love of food and wine really happened um, there as, a, as I got to travel around the world and see other cultures and how they uh, cooked and specifically how they cooked with wood fire. And then it was a trip to a little town, little dusty town um, called Taylor, Texas, that really re revolutionized, you know, who I would become as, as a person and where my career path would take me. Um, you know, that place obviously was Louis Miller Barbecue and um, such a special place for me to, uh, to have kind of cut my teeth, if you will. Um, and then, you know, uh, all along that route, I've always had, you know, a passion from afar for wine. And, um, and then when I started to really dive deep into drinking wine, probably about seven, eight years ago, um, I really caught the bug pretty fast. And as Jeff will tell you, like when I, when I get into something, I dive pretty deep and, um, and I, I dove deep into wine and, now you know consider myself a uh every day just a student of, of wine so um so that's kind of the quick version of 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 of, of that um and obviously hometown barbecue was open in 2013 we got you know taken out by hurricane sandy right um you know it took about another year to to get back on our feet there you know rebuilt the community and uh and again as you said the rest is history and um I'm sure we'll get into the other stuff later. All right, so I have um, two quick questions yeah. uh, on the history. You're, I don't want to dwell on this or get into it, nor do I want any specifics, but your security gig, you sort of understated it. I mean, it was a lot more fun than what you said. How would you describe what I'm describing? Well, all great protection people don't talk about their protectees or their. But or their what type of people? Were, what type of people were you protecting? Uh, uh, I would say that I protected. You know, my, in in my protection career, I I protected everyone from Nobel Peace Prize recipients to you know foreign dignitaries to you know A list Hollywood celebrities. Right. You know. Yeah. So that so, was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, now, I mean, it's I, the thing about it is, I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I honestly not sure. I would categorize it as fun. I mean, it's it's a very it's a you know it's a serious thing to be tasked with, right? You know, protecting someone's life and 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 their and their privacy. So, um, you know, is it, it's fun to be able to travel around the world, but you know, is it? You know, I think everybody who travels for a living, and especially the amount of traveling that I had to do at one point, you know, I think, you know, living out of a suitcase and living someone right. else's life. That's and, not fun. Oh, it's not fun. And ultimately yeah. why I left um, the protection community and why I left to, to do something that obviously is such a passion for me now is because I was living someone else's life. And although their life was fabulous and traveling on private jets all around the world, you would think is fun. Right. Maybe it's fun if it's your life, but when it's not your life and you're leaving behind a young daughter and you know, you've, you know, you've already kind of right. went through one marriage and now you, you have this other marriage that you want to make sure is whole, you know, things take priority. So, you know, there was fun parts of it. Don't get me wrong. But right. That was, that day, was the wrong word. I think interesting would have been fair. Right? It is very interesting. Yeah. Yes, it is very interesting. I got to meet, you know, heads of state and people all over the world and, um, you know, and, and those contacts are still, you know, some of my closest friends in the world. And if it wasn't for my career in the protection community, I wouldn't have had so much exposure to wood fired cooking in South America. Right. And I wouldn't have had any exposure to all the fine dining places and all the great places that I, uh, I've seen people drink special bottles of wine that I always dreamed of possibly drinking. So, right. Uh, and now I get, you know, because I know Jeff Porter, I get to I get to even sniff those wines. Right. The good stuff. Now, one last thing. I told you two questions. Walking through the door at Louis Miller, that solidified in your mind oh what, what you were going home and doing. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I get the chill. I literally got the I, get, I got the chills when you just said it. If you could see me in person, now, I, my arms, the hairs are standing on my arms. Yeah. To this day, that just someone else saying your first steps into Louis Miller barbecue made you. Um, no, you know, reminded you that this is what you were going to do for the rest of your life still makes the hair stand on my arms and that will be true forever. Uh, yeah, that place is, you know, there's a reason they call it the Cathedral of Smoke. It's a very special room. It's a very special family. It's a very special history. And, um, you know, from afar, I'll always be indebted to, to just that random yeah. trip. Uh, walking in that door and you know obviously Wayne and I are our closest of friends and and I consider him a, a, a mentor and um, and uh, he's been he's been a, a great friend to me and I to him and you know it's funny walking through that door for the first time you know having that impact and then being able to a couple years later tell him that story and now many 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 years right. later be able to call him one of my closest friends is just a, a journey that i can't tell you how special it is to me very cool um you know it used to be a distant place that people heard about and never got to texas but i think you can get it on gold belly or something now which is great <laughs> you, can, you sure can get like a three four pound brisket too. which is nuts all right jeff you you've had a pretty good uh career in uh wine um take me to the current I mentioned a few things you're doing, but take me through that. Right. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll begin with the, and you'll see where this connection with Billy and I comes from. I'm from Texas originally. Okay. Um, and I started in wine when I was in college at a place called Central Market. And then I got to California, did that for a while, and then came out here to the, to the uh, East Coast when uh, one day Joe Bastianich called me. I was working for Nancy Silverton at right. Moza, and he said, do you want to come out and run Del Posto? And I'm like, uh, yes. Because uh, to me, Del Posto was kind of this cathedral and of, of Italian wine, this bridge between Italy and the yeah. States. And uh, the list was dynamic, and I'd read about it, and I'd never been there before. And so I came out, and he gave me he gave me four weeks to move. I made it in five with my wife. <laughs> and we moved out here, and we lived on people's couches because we couldn't find an apartment for a while. And um, it just really took off, and I, I, I went... I think one reason Billy and I are so akin to each other is we're both manic in the terms of when we love something and, and are interested in something, we just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And, you know, my love for Italian wine began in Napa Valley when I worked at this restaurant called Trevina. Um, but it, it really, and then Moza took it to that step. But then when I was at Posto, being around those older vintages, talking to 
talking to producers almost on a daily basis, it just it just lit a fire under my my in, in my entire body to understand right. the, what this country was about. One little itty bitty country with a thousand different varietals, how it could be so unique and so singular in the world of wine. And even amongst that, I was studying for my master sommelier exam, which I didn't pass. I sat twice, and then I uh, I had a kid, and I got promoted to be run the corporate program for the whole company, and that was a lot of a lot of work. And then I just kept going and going, and and met Billy, and and we've stayed friends, and we drink wine together and talk. And then one day, um, I saw an article in Eater saying, you know, Billy wants to do natural wine at, at Hometown Barbecue. And I literally picked up the phone and said, Billy, we've talked about working together. Let's do this. But I asked you before, you know, mm-hmm. if you look at Del Posto, it's like, I, I, you, I don't think the word anti is fair, but it's sort of the anti-natural wine place, even though a lot of those producers grow naturally and all that. What, what was the connection? Is that a personal like of yours you drink it at home you know absolutely i mean it's a it's a it's a personal philosophy that i've had since i lived and worked in napa and um when i when i was in napa that's when i really got to learn about viticulture and you could see the difference between what i call mordor vineyards you know they literally look like death and then living vineyards and it's always been my mo to promote those people who who treat the earth in the way that's best for not just the the wines but for the people right. and that's kind of a, a lifestyle i'm married to a, a a person from los angeles who grew up you know working at the bodhi tree and being her parents were hippies so that's kind of our our <laughs> mo as a family too it's great it's great and Very cool. um, i also married a you know that that it's, it's not Washington. something i've i've been a um yeah you know a vocal person about yeah yeah, Billy, you were that. saying you Jeff, married. Sorry to a... interrupt you, Jeff. I, I married a woman from yeah. Olympia, Washington, who's also a uh, daughter of, of hippie parents as well. Um, Which uh, is Billy? My... That's the opposite of your upbringing, right? A hundred. <laughs> it's like, so I mean, funny. My wife Mine and too. I. Uh, I mean, Jeff could tell you uh, she. He knows my wife very well. Literally, could not be the more polar opposite of human beings. It's 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 very very funny. Um, that that. Um, that's why it works. So Jeff, it, so, it works well. Yeah. So Sorry, Jeff, Jeff, you you left the um, you left the restaurant biz and you went on your own to do some, not some to do education, consulting, and all that. And that's currently what you're doing, right? Right. Exactly. And right. Uh, I I needed to. I wanted to do more than just Italy, and uh, part right. of that you were, was to to. You know, I, I not not that I'm pigeonholed. Italy is my my passion. It's my love. I live an Italian lifestyle, but I love the entire world of wine, and I wanted the ability to 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 work in that that greater world again. Right. So getting out of the box of a restaurant that you know features that gives you the opportunity. Exactly. Um, well, I think I, a funny I think a funny part of this is that people pigeonhole me into being this like overly passionate guy about natural wine and Jeff being um, overly enthusiastic about conventional wine. And with all full disclosure, it was a big conversation Jeff and I had before we kind of partnered on all this is because that was my thought too. Um, And at the time, Jeff could tell you, I was definitely a little more lopsided as far as where my education and focus was on on natural wine and questioning on whether or not we would make a great team because he came from such a conventional world and I learned within you know five minutes of talking to him that I had you know heavily underestimated the fact that he was so well versed in the the complete wholeness of of the wine world um, and it was you know it's kind of don't judge a book kind of concept you know jeff coming from this really conventional world of of wine and me coming from this you know new new school thought but when we both talked uh, about our 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 feelings about wine it all came back to one thing and i think jeff would agree the grower and the farmer and and how they treat their land and how they cultivate their wine and what 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 are their procedures and and what why are they doing why are they making the decisions they make and it, you know there's a 
that that really fed this relationship to blossom and, and really bloom at, as it has. It's really about, you know, the wine is really about the people, the story, you know, and the land and the farming. And, and that's what's compelling to me. And obviously, that's what's, you know, been compelling to you guys. I mean, that's certainly the, that's the story. Absolutely. Um, Billy, you, you, you're all about community, you're all about loyalty, you know, you yep. specifically look out for the health and welfare of your staff. Um, what I want to know is, take me to the point um, when the COVID-19 thing really started to get hairy, and when you realized, you know, that moment that your life was going to change because you had to close the restaurant, and, you know, kind of take me to what happened after that. Um, you became very, you know, proactive um, and, you know, did whatever you could. So I, I would love you to talk to me a little about that. And Jeff and I were talking offline and, you know, he, he's over there, too, he told me. So oh, yeah. I, I, I'm really, you know, I, I like I said earlier, I wanted you guys on because this is the part I really want to hear. You know, a guy yeah. like Billy Durney who put his life into this gets smacked in the head. Now, what do you do? Yeah, I think I think you know, uh, it's funny that you know I didn't want to talk about the protection thing, but I, it's so funny that the one thing in protection with great protection people is when there's a lot of chaos around you is when you got to become very still and and very um, focused on what what your mission is so right. you know I, I i actually like the term use getting smacked in the head because we certainly all have been smacked in the head by this this horrendous virus but my skill set really lends itself to kind of being able to calm get calm and focus and um, you know, I, 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 Yeti was kind enough to make a, a video on my life story. And in that video, my father basically gives our family motto. And it's, uh, you know, when times are at their worst, we become our best. And, um, it's something that we, that I've been told every, like every day of my life, basically, since I'm a little boy, um, that that has to be the case. And, um, so for me, it was a time to be reflective on the promises that I made for my team um, and my, my family at work and, and, you know, and how do I achieve, how do I achieve closing the restaurants but somehow making them whole? And the truth of the matter is I couldn't do that and I was, I was very hurt um, by the fact that, you know, I, when, when people come to hometown, um, I'm, I'm notorious, I think Jeff knows this. I've never seen a resume in the history. I have 140 something employees, including Miami, and I've never seen a single resume, not one. Um, it, you make never. the connection in person. I mean, you could That's look at, it. You could look That's in it. someone's eyes and know. Yeah, and sometimes you're wrong, but at least you're wrong right. on your, you're wrong on your merit. You know, you're wrong and you took a shot, you know, and um, that piece of paper or, or, or where you went to college or, you know, we don't have any graduates from Harvard and MIT on my staff, whether you're, you know, I don't even mean the restaurant staff. I mean, like human resources organizationally, right. you know, the girl who runs my, my, my COO is my best friend for 35 years of life. And she, Dorian Scagnelli, and she completely changed the way our, our company runs. Uh, you know, so all the people I surround myself with at the management level are all people that, you know, I trust, you know, with, with, you know, with my life. And, um, you know, the, the bottom line is when this happened for me, I, when I interview everybody, I make them a promise and I say, you know, we're, we're going to nurture you. We're going to allow you to grow and I'm going to personally protect you in some way, shape or form. And I just felt like I was leaving, I would, you know, I was just totally vulnerable and I was leaving them vulnerable because I had to, I had to furlough a lot of employees. So the immediate reaction was, you know, that I disappointed them and then they were quick to react to me and say, hey, you don't ever disappoint us and you're always there for us. And, and that made me feel good for about a half a second. And then I said, right. I to say, um, you know, well, what action can I take to prove that? And, and then we started to put a plan into action to, you know, keep as many people as we could employed in a very, very safe way. And, and then how do we do a couple other things? How do we feed our community? Um, 
and then how do we feed the ones that need it the most as well? So we kind of took on this three or four part concept that we would open the restaurant. We didn't care if we turned a profit. We didn't care, you know, what happened, but we would employ people. We'd be able to get our food out to the community to give them sustenance. And then we would definitely always have this philanthropic thing, um, which came in the form of um, Greg Backstrom uh, and Ed from Olmstead. Yeah, from Olmstead. Um, Ed Lee had approached us to be part of his Lee initiative. And um, quite frankly, I was just so busy with getting, you know, my take, catching my breath and getting all these people taken care of that I didn't call Ed back. And like uh, I had found out that Ed reached out to Greg and then Greg and I spoke and Greg and I decided to partner up um, um, with the Lee initiative to feed all the industry employees. So we did the smoking of the meats and then um, with all full disclosure, Greg did, you know, all the heavy lifting. He right. had a, a, a very small team um, of people working around the clock seven days. Um, but we did, um, we did partner with that and we did all the smoking of the meats. We would deliver the meats to Greg and then Greg would make the sides and stuff like that. But Greg also took the initiative to, you know, go get feminine hygiene products to donate it and diapers right. and formula. Um, so he deserves a lot of that credit. But, but we got very heavily involved in the Lee Initiative. And then through the Lee Initiative, you know, it's always our duty. You know, where Red Hook is, you know, we're so passionate about where we live and operate. Red Hook has always been, um, you know, the, you know, one of the loves of my life. And then, so we, we now, you know, um, we now do a lot of outreach to the churches to feed, um, to feed a lot of the folks in Red Hook. Um, uh, so we deliver hundreds and hundreds of meals every week to, to several churches in Red Hook. And then we had this uh, angel donor concept that we put into place thanks to two two friends of mine, Sean Fahey and Brian Riano, that started to make these donations where we can then feed the um, the uh, first responders. So for the last 10 weeks, we've been feeding the people from the Lee Initiative, people from Red Hook, the, the community in Red Hook who needs it the most. And then we've Fed thousands of thousands of first responders as well. So did that? Did that um, give you the opportunity to sort of ramp back up and bring people in? You know, people yes, that you furloughed. Yeah, it did. It did. It, 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 little by little, um, you know, the 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 sales would increase as far as you know takeout and delivery and pickup and all that stuff. Uh, so we would we we started this whole project with bringing back five employees at hometown and five employees at tavern. So we had 10. Right. Um, uh, and then it grew and grew and grew. And now, now we are actually um, one of the PPP loan recipients that it's actually working for because we are um, open and operating and now have, you know, um, a lot going on. So we're able to do all this work um, with, nice. with, with a lot of employees. Uh, so, so, so that was kind of the thing, right? It was, how do you how do you take care of your staff? How do you take care of your community? And then how do you take care of the people that are taking care of us, the first responders? So we kind of put in a section of what we were doing as a as a as a as a team um, to all those to all those areas, and that's, right. that's what we did. Now, Jeff, you know, you told me you're working with Billy, literally, you know, at hometown. Mm -hmm. He's the salad he, man. He's one day a week. Um, <laughs> He told me he's trying to get promoted to two, but we'll see how that works out. Well, let me tell you something. Jeff can do whatever he wants. He's, he's one but of the Jeff, best humans in the world. Jeff, you, you know, you had this whole wine thing going. You know, you became independent. You got out of the shadow of, uh, of uh, Del Posto, uh, Joe Bastianich and all that. And you're relying upon restaurants and people in the business and all that. And it just it just stops and dies, right? So what happens to you? I mean, how do you react to that? Um, I mean, the, the first reaction I had was, you know, what can I do to use any of the platform I have to help the, my colleagues who, who all lost their jobs? I mean, right. I am very fortunate. I, my wife has a really good job. My wife works for NYU Medical School. So that was a very sound, uh, easy, you know, that there was a, a, ba a platform that we had. And so the, the first thing was, you know, talking to all my friends in, from Del Posto, from Babo, from all the restaurants around us, talking with Billy, like, what, what can we do to help? And if that's 
Instagram, working with Roar, working with the IRC, the New York Restaurant Coalition, anything that we could do to get the word out. And, you know, I talked to Congress people and, and wrote letters and did all that thing. So that was, that was step one. Right. And then step two, you know, is I'm, since my wife's the breadwinner, you know, I, I needed to be with my daughter and, and do homeschool and focus on that. And then in the meantime, you know, just that's when I started doing these things on Instagram, doing um, these like cooking shows and cocktail thing right. with, with friends of mine just to kind of keep some levity out there, but also, you know, just keep informing people, you know, this is a time where you can hone your cooking skills. You can drink good wine. There's, there's good wine at all sorts of prices and communicating with retail stores and trying to get the word out about them. Um, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing. And then Billy called me a few weeks ago and said, Hey, we got PPP. Um, do you have time to, to come back and, and help out and establish this, uh, this next phase uh, in the, the operation of COVID. And I, I, I was like, hell yeah, I do. And, uh, the past two weeks we've been setting up, uh, you know, you know, Red Hook Tavern hometown part two. Right. That's great. Um, Billy, how are like, how are your people that work with you? How are they doing? I mean, are they, I know they're They're inspired. They, they are. So they're, they're yeah. upbeat and, you know, financially, yes. I mean, they're, they're working and, you know, they, they see some light, right? Yeah. I mean, we, 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 this is our, this is our business for, for, for me for a long time. Um, I, I will not be one of the restaurant owners or cooks that open to, uh, you know, you walking into my facility with a mask and me taking your temperature or, my my uh my staff greeting you at your table with a menu a paper menu and a, a mask i mean i will not be one of those people so um so until there is a way to get back to um what we why we all love to dine and go out so much which is to have this amazing experience right um of food and wine and cocktails and beer and engage our, our friends and our loved ones the way we love to do it at the special places that we believe that we've created. Until you're able to do that the way you've done it in the past, this is my new business. And this is how I have to change with the current time. Now, if there comes a time where New York City opens up and other people open their restaurants, then more power to them. That's what they want to do. But that will not happen for us. So. Um, so I had to let my team know that this is the future for us until right. there is, um, till there is a more, um, uh, till there's more information about the virus, till there's more information about, right. about a vaccine for the virus. Um, but the one thing I won't do is put them at risk, um, nor anyone else who, who enters our facility, um, as as a guest, so that that is never going to happen. So so that being said, this being our new business, we're just trying to be as good as we can at this being our new business. So we want to make sure the quality of the food when it gets to you is similar to what you'd have in the restaurant, and your experience is um, as good if possible. So uh, as far as hometown is concerned, we've kind of got it down to a science, and a Red Hook Tavern is going well, but I think. You know, Jeff brings so much amazing value into into our into our group and um, at Tavern because you know we want to come up with new and interesting ways to get wine to people and you know obviously we reduce our prices on the wine to right. to basically a retail level and Every, um, everyone's doing that. Yeah, and listen, people. It's okay, can you want to move? Yeah. Yeah, and listen, it's not for us. It's not even, it's, it's about and and these are wines like we we have a very heavily heavily allocated wine list, and we're selling wines that you can't go into your local. Listen, we support going to your local wine shops. We want everybody to shop in your local wine shops, um, and we also you know we also want to give people opportunities to be able to have things that we offer as well. So. Um, you know, for us bringing Jeff on um, to kind of create this Red Hook Tavern general store was really an interesting way. And a lot of people are obviously doing provision markets and this kind right. of thing. And I think it's wonderful. I mean, one of the, you know, 
talking about Olmstead and like other friends of ours doing these things, they're doing a fabulous job. And you know, I don't know if you guys have ever interviewed anyone, uh, James O'Brien over at Popina. Yeah, I um, haven't yet. He'll, he'll be on. Yeah, he's one of one, one of the great. He great is. A, he's a, a great wine program, great restaurant, great guy. Yeah, one of the most underrated guys I think in New York yeah. City in the wine community. I, I, and one, I think people who know know, but more yeah, people, yeah, of course, more of course, people yeah. need to know. You know. Yeah, more. Well, that's why I. Anytime I get a chance to talk about Popina and Chris and James, uh, I, I I take that opportunity because not only is it one of the best, you know, reserve lists uh, around. You know, you can't get a better guy pouring you wine. And yeah. you know, it's just, you know, they're all heart. And that's the kind of people Jeff and I, you know, he's part of our little drinking friendship. And, you know, um, so like they're they're doing all these grocery stores as well. And we support what they're doing. And we're just trying to make ours a little unique to what we do um, at the tavern. Because, you know, um, you know what, what they do at Popina obviously is an Italian southern kind of vibe is different right. from what we're doing at like a classic New York tavern. So so we're I, just I, doing our little thing. Jeff is spearheading. I want to talk about the yeah. wine program with Jeff, and we'll get into that. But I just want to go backwards for a second. You yeah. guys know a ton of people in the business, you know, all the restaurant people and all that. Billy, what you described to me, you know, and the question I was going to have is when do you think you open and what capacity, and you, <laughs> you, you answered it. But yeah. it's different than I think what a lot of people would like to do or are planning to do. I think they're waiting okay. for the date and, you know, they're going to figure out, you know, if they could do it or not. That's not yeah. in your sights, right? You're, you're no. not going to do, no. do it until you feel it, that it's no right. The w- yeah. So that could be. Yeah. I'm, 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 this is, I'm so hardlined on this subject that, you know, no one can shake me off of it. And the beauty of my business is that I, I am it's not like I have anyone to answer to, you know, right. I, I own the business and, right. you know, I, I do have investors who own a, a small percentage of the business, but at the end of the day, the beauty of the investors that I chose all align directly with me in every way, shape or form. Um, You're like the Steinbrenner of barbecue. They all, they all I, bow to him. You make the decision. No, no, Here's I, the money. I feel right? like we're all, <laughs> that's so funny yeah. but i feel like i feel like we're all we're all aligned in the sense that we all you know i have i have the head one you know I, I, one of the heads of neurosurgery at nyu is one of my investors you know clearly he's not gonna he's not gonna support um you know right. uh, opening uh, you early know. Or yeah or yeah i mean th- th- yeah. what i'm saying is we align the reason i chose the people i chose is because they align with me socially and 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 you know uh, on our base and our, our base concept of how the world should should look is all the same um you know sean feeney um and and you know from uh from lily and missy is right. someone who is is involved and he's the one actually who helped me put the investor group together and you know so we have very uh, our morals our standards as far as those kind of things are extremely high and hey listen if 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 someone can fix everyone has to do what's best for them their families their teams etc right. and right. for me i made a clear decision many many weeks ago when this started that for me personally this is how this is the course of action that if you could not come in to red hook tavern and be greeted by my guy benny at the door with a big smile and a hug and you couldn't be sat and you couldn't see our our general manager or our sommelier come to that table and talk to you about wine and you couldn't have our our our, our great team take your order and deliver your food to you the same way in this wonderful setting you ain't doing it you ain't i ain't doing it period right. it's not going to happen and and listen and and the per, and the, and and our and my and my peers who decide to do that I fully support and back their decision to to what they have to do and what they think is right for their team and their family. But for me, it's not ever going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Right, so all right. Yeah. So all that being said, and, and I admire you for that, and you know I support it, and you're lucky that you have people that support you. All that being said, how long do you think it will take to get back to you know any sense of normalcy, which in your case 
would be able to do it the way you did and the way you want. Well, I think, I think for me, you know, I, again, I, this is going to sound so weird. Like I watch CNN too much, but I don't, <laughs> I stopped watching CNN and all those things, all those uh, shows about COVID a long time ago, because they were freaking me out. But um, the truth is I leave that into the scientist's hands. I don't have any clue about okay. when that, that time frame is. And I think that just you know, like Trump, you're leaving it to the scientists. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're, yeah, yes, yeah. I, I, yeah. Oh my goodness! Please, that that all right? Hour, so that, so that six hours we could talk about. No, that. I know. I didn't mean to get yeah. that up. So no, obviously, but, but I think but vaccines I think, but I think the and stuff. True, but I think I'm sorry to interrupt you, Sam. But I think the real true answer is I leave that up to medical the medical science medical science to to predict that. For me, if it's if it's six months, great. If it's twelve months, great. If it's eighteen months, great. I. You're the one who's going to the one who takes the, the the entire you know brunt of all it, of it financially is me and my and me and my partners and we're the ones that don't have uh you know and me the most I mean my partners you know it's a very it's a small percentage that they that they own so financially it hurts it hurts me the most right. what hurts me the most is hurting my team the most that can't be doing what they love to do we we have an amazing bunch of human beings that that really are responsible for all the successes you know yeah i got it going and i you know i did all that stuff but it's really them carrying the flag for me now it's you know it's the kenneth crumbs and the johans and the mitch rosens all these people my comments of the world that these these are the guys and gals that are running this comp my companies now and they're the ones that are the most affected by it so it's it's again it's my promise to them to protect them that that hurts me the most Right. Um, so you'll get there. So yeah, Jeff, we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah, and you know we'll know more as time goes by. Um, Billy, you mentioned this, but Jeff, um, it sounds like Red Hook is gonna Red Hook Tavern is gonna you know morph into you know something very cool and soon and all that you know with wine as a focus too. I mean, Jeff, just tell me a little about you know when and what people are gonna see. So we've, uh, you know, just going back a little bit, like the, the red, putting together with, with Billy and Kenneth Crum, who worked with me at Lupa, and he came over as the GM and beverage director. For me in my career in 20 years, it's the, it's the most fun, beautiful list I've ever had the, the honor of being a part of. And I think when you look at the list, it shows people what, what, what drinking good wine, not just expensive wine, but good, like that whole big word meaning good, like it's grown well, it's made well, it has peep, it has soul. The entire list reads that way. And that's what's so beautiful about it. And when Billy and I were talking about the general store, because of what's going on, we still want people to have some connection to the experience of Red Hook Tavern. And, you know, we've got, we've got a great menu. Johan, who's the executive chef there, has put together this great to-go menu and the the piece that we were missing was people didn't have access to our wine list and so starting june 1st we'll have the the general store which has on our website all the wines from the wine list tell me the the website quickly redhooktavern.com okay um and you go there and you go to the the little button that says order and it shows the menus uh, of the wine, the beer. We've got local beers, Folk's Beer, Duchess Ale, uh, Other Half, um, and working on some other things like that. But but the wine list is is the core of, of what we have in our wine list. And as we, you know, keep evolving it, you know, we'll bring in new new wines. I'm looking for a chillable red six pack to sell. Um, right. and, and, and talking with, with distributors and importers right now. Right, about, you got to go seasonal. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, the Billy and I's kinship and, and, and love for, for food and wine and what it means together, not in necessarily just the pairing sense, but the, the, the cultural aspect of it, the, the, the meaningfulness of food and wine being together is so important and having that Red Hook Tavern experience at home is what we want people to do. And right. and that's so the, that's our goal with this. The list is about diversity. It's like, you know, Del Posto is heavy, heavy Italian. Does it lean any 
you know, country, you know, like Loire or Jura, or it, is it all over the place? It's France heavy. Okay. Um, and at the moment, it leans more like when you include the whites. And I mean, yeah, you include everything. It's it. It would be Burgundy dominant. So, and Burgundy being the giant. Well, there's whole a reason Burgundy. for that. <laughs> Chablis, Chablis to Beaujolais, and nice. everything in between. We have we have a lot. So, like, we have a, a Chablis six pack. That's our favorite. We all love Chablis. And one of my frustrations when I used to go out a lot in the city is I could I go to most restaurants and they'd have like four or five Chablis and it was always like Dovisat, Dovisat, you know, Ravenol, Ravenol. Yeah, you couldn't like afford that crap. Shit I couldn't afford. Right. And and so now I sat with Billy. I was like, Billy, you love Chablis. Right. I love Chablis. Let's have let's have the greats, but there's there's a, a whole nother like section of growers. Like so I'll take Baru. I love Baru Chablis. It's is it that falls the, is that the, the maker? Jeff, is that the maker, Baru? Yeah. Yeah. Spell it. Yes, sir. Spell it yes, for sir. B E R U. And they make a reasonably or. priced, high quality Chablis? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. And it's, I love it's delicious. Say that again, Bill? Morona Debt. Morona Debt. Yeah. M O R E A U N A U. Those are killer. I'm going to yeah. post all of that. Um, so, June 1st, everyone can experience this. They can go to the website. Uh, redhooktavern.com uh, certainly people in the area will enjoy it but from what I'm seeing you know with all the sort of innovative aggressive restaurant people people are delivering all over they're traveling all over they're coming for it and Billy I, I'd make a bet that if you looked at Instagram one of the most common photographed thing is probably your burger in the last 10 months right <laughs> You know, with the, with the potato wedge. So I think people know. I think people know where they're coming. Let me ask you this: Do you think, Billy, when that time comes, and Jeff too, when the time comes, you know, when you open at the level you want, do you think people are going to be thinking differently about what they want to drink or what they want to eat? I mean, Billy, in your case, it's comfort food, which I think yeah. people are moving towards, mm-hmm. like. Um, What's his name? Daniel Hum is like, Jesus, I don't know if 11 Madison is going to reopen or open the way it is. Do you think you're going to have to make changes or you're sort of on the spot of where you should be? No, I think that I think the beauty of I always call it playing small ball, right? I, I kind of know my lane and don't kind of move out of my lane. You know, we we, we cook humble food, comfort food, um, you know, as, as good as we could possibly cook it. And you know, I think that's the lane we'll stay in. I think the as far as the wine list goes, um, I think Jeff and I will always be, uh, you know, the first thing Jeff ever said to me when we, we drank over 600 bottles of wine to get to that that list. Which taste it. Taste it, Billy. Taste it. Ta- I- taste it. Right? Yeah, sorry. I always say drank and Jeff. Jeff always reminds me that we didn't yeah, drink. I really feel it. sorry for you guys. Yeah, yeah. We drank over 600 wines to get to 160 on that list, which... Um, but so I, li- and I will tell, and I will tell you that that there were there was a, an alternate list as well. So we, it's not like the other four, you know, four hundred plus wines were bad. We just uh, we were really. But Jeff, Jeff, the thing he said to me that got me was, we're always looking for needles in a haystack. There, there was a lots of times that I didn't even want to see labels to bottles because I didn't want to be heavily influenced by things you know we just wanted to taste the wine and right. and see what we really thought of them so the the wine list um i think will always be looking for that thing that jeff talks about which is the needle in the haystack um kind of thing that maybe someone else overlooked or um, you know jeff and i were actually talking about you know pairing this we're gonna put for the fourth of july we're doing this thing with resi we're actually doing this thing with resi over like a four-week period and and the second week just happens to fall on the 4th of July. So we're putting a corn dog on the tavern menu. Nice. And we were talking about what to pair with that. And I, I was reminded of this really great Riesling or, um, that is it an Alsace? Was it a Riesling Alsace. or Alsace? It was Alsatian Riesling. It was an Alsatian Riesling, right. So, um, and, and it was very inexpensive and it was just something I loved. I had never heard of the producer before. Who is it? Um, it was Carl Earhart. Is, oh, no, no. Okay. That, that, that was the German Riesling. I'm sorry. That the was German, the, right. the, I, I knew I was on yeah. the Riesling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Carl Earhart who, who I had. And, but I was like, oh, man, that would be... Oh, the one we're talking about, Jeff, is um, uh, the one we had ba- at Baltazar. What was that one? Boxler. 
Al oh, Alfred yeah. Boxler. Alfred Albert Boxler. or Alfred, Jeff? Al Albert, Albert Boxler. Albert, Albert right. Boxler, yeah. That right, line right. is just... That's also, uh, isn't he organic biodynamic, I think, or something? Organic. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if it's bio, but it's definitely organic. But that yeah. line will knock you out over. I mean, yeah, I've had it. It's great. Yeah. And it, it's it's great. fairly so, reasonable. Yeah, so those were two wines we were talking about for, for the pairing with the corn dog. But, but anyway, I think that Jeff and I are always looking for those needles in the haystack and those wines that really... Um, really say say something not you know listen i i have a full full collection of raveno and dovisat and i don't and and rulo and stuff like that and i love that stuff but you know you know um you know drinking a walter scott wine or a um you know like all Can't these halo yeah well halo is my favorite you just no that's, didn't that's, isn't uh walter scott ken palo no. The, the Pinot? No, no, what no. am I thinking of? Never no, mind. No, no, Never mind. No, no. Yeah, yeah. But Halo, it's, it's, it's funny that you said that, because I think I turned you on to that, right, Jeff, or no? Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one of the wines that rocked my world in the last two years. I mean, you know, nice. just learning about it. But But anyway, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's finding those wines that are very, very unique, that not necessarily everybody is. Like, I think that, that Laura Bissell from... In California, making in in Kano. I was with her out at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. She's wonderful. Yeah, she she did a she, she did a, did a dinner with Greg Olmsted. She did a dinner at hometown. Um, yeah, but yeah. but at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival it was Laura's wine and Greg's food. I mean, is that yeah, a night sent, out or they, they nice. sent me photos of them together? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. So and Laura came and we did a whole hog and we we we. I think it was her Shinan and her and her rosé and stuff. Her rosé, um, yeah. Yeah, her rosé. I mean, and Laura and I become um, buddies. But when you find, like, her... Obviously, I found her through her Sauv Blanc that was just, like, yeah. people just tripping over to drink. And, you know, we had... She gave us a great allocation of that, and we sold through that in about a week. And then uh, I probably drank half of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to um, calm down. This episode is brought to you by Square. We all know that this is an incredibly challenging time for our friends running restaurants and small food businesses. With social distancing in place, people are staying home and eating in, and restaurants have had to pivot to pickup and delivery only. HRN would usually be recording our podcast from our studio inside Roberta's, but since they've had to close their dining room, they've ramped up their frozen pizza production, set up a wine and grocery shop, and seen their delivery orders skyrocket. Like Roberta's, many restaurants have been changing offerings day by day as they figure out how to best serve their customers. If you run a restaurant or a small business, Square has the tools to help you adapt. One of these tools is the Square online store. It lets you set up a free online ordering page with curbside pickup and local delivery so you can keep customers safe. You can deliver orders yourself or integrate with delivery partners. Its order hub lets you manage all your incoming orders in one place, no matter which delivery partners you choose to use. Square has all the tools to help you stay connected to customers no matter where they are. See everything that's available by visiting square.com slash go slash great nation. Listen, th this is a good segue because I have a yeah, feature yeah. on the show and I'm more curious and interested about you guys, you know, answering this. I, I do a thing called the wine list and uh -huh. I ask all my guests for over 150 shows the same five questions. And I want to ask you the five questions and you'll answer them. Billy, you go first and then okay. Jeff, you go second. Don't dwell on it. Um, just tell me, and I post these on social media because it's really good intel for my listeners to hear from guys like you and, you know, the Aldo Soms and Raj Pars that I've had on in the past and all of that. Um, so this is the wine list. Everyone's subjected to it. Let's try to buzz through it. We have about 10 minutes left. So the okay. first question is, what are you drinking now? What's in your fridge? What's seasonal? What are you tasting? Um, Dutrev. Okay. So Beaujolais. Love Beaujolais. Is what else? Uh, the Marot Nadette as well. The Chablis or which one? Yeah. Are you guys there? The, the, yeah, yeah. 
All right, good Hello. enough, Jeff. What are you drinking? Um, in my fridge right right now, I'm drinking a lot of Tiberio Pecorino. What is that? That's cheese. <laughs> I don't even know Abruzzo. what that is. Okay. What what is it? A guy. white, a red? I mean, what's the grape? Oh, it's it's a it's a white. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a white wine from um from Abruzzo in Italy. All right. So the maker is who? Who's the maker? The grape is called Pecorino. Okay. It's not oh, a cheese. Pecorino. Mm. And who's the winemaker? Yeah, it's good. Tiberio? Uh, Chris, Tiberio. Yeah, yeah. Cri- okay. Christina Tiberio. She's a force right. of nature. Okay. Um, and like I said, Killer we're going to post these. Second question. This is kind of the goofiest on the list. But uh, Billy, favorite wine and food pairing? Not something you eat every night. Oh, this is so easy. This is okay. So easy. Fa- fa- favorite wine and food pairing is fried chicken and Georges Laval champagne. Okay, that's... Uh-huh. Fried anything in champagne is great. What about you, Jeff? I just stole his. Amen. So give me something. Give me what else? I'm kidding. I don't know what his is. Jeff, what? Give me your favorite wine and food. Mine, pairing. mine is brisket and aged Barolo. Oof. Brisket and that's a good one, man. Oof. If if I had a pin you to the wall for a maker, could you pluck one out? Uh, the thing that changed my life was is Rowania Cricket Paille 1977 and Billy's Brisket. Well, you may, have ans- <laughs> you may have answered a further question, but we'll get to it. All right, guys, think about this. And I don't want you to be exclusive or feel like you're leaving people out. But the question is, what's your favorite wine restaurant and or bar? What's the place you go to that has a list that mirrors what you like, that the vibe is great, the wine knowledge is good? I mean, give me one or two each. Jeff, you want to go first? Okay. Go. Yeah, I mean, I think, Billy, we're going to be pretty close. Um, yeah, Popin, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, Popin is and one then, for me, too. Uh, com- and, com- uh, company, did you say? I'd say Company, and then I okay. also love champagne a lot. So, yeah, Company de Vendu Natural and right. Air Champagne Bar. Uh, oh, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Now, that's Ariel. She's been on yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. All right, Billy, you have anything? You mirror that, but do you have anything to add? Well, I mean, Frank's, Frank, Frank's Wine Bar is yeah. one of the best, I think, one of the best lists. Johnny and Patterson. Johnny Patterson's one of the great people and, yeah. and, and, one of, and one of Jeff and I's dear friends and definitely part of our inner, inner drinking crew. I love John. And then, um, John, too. I love that place. Go yeah, ahead. yeah, and then and then I will say I will say you know Aldo has been a mentor to me from the beginning of this. Um, so, so his wine bar. So, so his wine bar is a very special right. place for me. Yeah. Good answers. All right, what, tell me favorite all time wine. When I first asked this question, it sort of pointed towards what's the rarest, most expensive great wine you drank. It sort of morphed into. What's the wine that was important to you or moving or, you know, got you into it? You know, tell me that wine, Billy. And then, Jeff, tell me what that wine is. It's super easy for me. It's Rouleau. Rouleau? In general, was it it a particular time you drank it? It was, it was, it was, it was, Jeff, should I tell him the real year or should I tell him the fake year? Real year. There's a, it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a very long story. But we don't have time for a long story. It was 2011. Okay. Marceau Rouleau. Marceau Rouleau. Okay. All right. That's perfect. Um, Jeff. Um, for me, it's, uh, it's Protatory del Barbaresco. Um, Any one of the bottles? And I always just like this... One? I, I, you know, to be honest, it's Protatory like del Barbaresco classic. Okay. No, no, no. Just the, the, the classic one, uh, 85. And it, 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 I had that when I was in my early part of my wine career and it, it changed my life. I, I love that answer. That's a great one. Um, all right, here's the last question. And I think both of you can handle this. I want you, and I always set up this question. I have kids in their twenties they're going to a party, they can't bring a crap $9, $11 supermarket wine, and they don't have the jack to spend 40 So they have 15 20 22 bucks to walk a wine in that'll impress people. I need a red and a white. Hmm. Uh, 
Jeff, you want to go first? You can give me category. You could say like Muscadet is uh, a great value, or you, oh, you know, I see. just go ahead. Any, you know, any direction. Still on go that. first, Jeff. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go two, two places. So I'm gonna go to my, my, my passion, Billy. Um, and I, I think for something that's super affordable and just ridiculously delicious, I would go to, um, you know, and great growers that people overlook all the time. There's killer value and greatness in Chianti Classico that people just don't realize still to this day. Chianti Classico. Um, you got a maker for me? that I would say. Easton, Easton A. I-S-T-I-N-E. Um, young woman winemaker, certif certified organic. She is amazing and just makes wines that are delicious. And then for white, for me, that's just killer value. Um, oh, I'm, I you know what? I love Godeo uh, from Spain, and I think you can get like really, really ridiculously well-made wine um, for under twenty dollars. Good ones, Billy. Jump in here. What do you got? Uh, I'm gonna go with um, for sparkling. I, I think I think I, I I like like setting everything off with sparkling. That's I'm gonna fun. go with I'm gonna go with Alice Beaufort. Alice Beaufort. That's a first for here. Uh, and um, it's a uh, it's right. Jeff, you want to describe? It's like right outside of. Of of champagne, um, it's not vintage, right? Um, and did you say the Alice the uh, the Alice Beaufort? The Alice Beaufort, the the sparkling we sell yeah. by the glass. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's delicious. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna say for red, I'm gonna go with the Loire and another wine we sell. I'm gonna go with um, the Le Hot de Madone uh, from Christian Venier. Christian Vinnie, I've had that. Um, all right, so those are good ones. And like I said, I am going to post uh, the wine list, and our listeners get great joy out of the intel, you know, from you guys, because you're certainly embedded in it. Uh, we got to wrap the show up. I could sit here easily another hour. Um, let me do a quick close, and then I want you guys to give me just a little more information. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegreatnation.com. That's samatthegreatnation.com. Subscribe to The Great Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. If you subscribe, it'll come up You know when the show is done. Follow us on Facebook at The Great Nation, on Instagram at SBenRuby, and Twitter at BenRuby. You could always use the hashtag The Great Nation on both. Um, like I said, we will post Billy and Jeff's wine list um, on our social media sites. And quickly, Jeff, you go first. If people want to find you, where's the best place for them to uh, go? Website? Email? Um, uh, uh, Instagram, Drink, Eat, Love. Okay, so Drink, Eat, Love, that's your social handle. Billy? Um, any sites for the restaurants I, if people want more info? I would love to plug Jeff's TV show, uh, Sip Trip. I've seen that. So Sip Trip is uh, an Instagram live thing? No. No. no what, um, what? It's on YouTube. Okay. So Sip Trip, S-I-P-T-R-I-P, Sip Trip on YouTube. Um, Billy, if people want to... Yeah, redhooktavern.com Tavern, Red and then hometownbarbecue.com. Uh, okay. I'm all then, good. I, wanted, I just wanted to plug Jeff. I'm glad you did. Thanks. And <laughs> if they want to follow you, it's W uh, Durney? At W-D-U-R-N-E-Y on Instagram. Right. I don't have any other... All right, and we got about less than a minute. I'm making one last plea. My greatest joy in doing this show is sitting in a studio with people eye contact you know just the whole thing i miss that so billy jeff you have to promise me one thing that we could all sit around a table crack a bottle of wine whether it's a red hook or home team and enjoy a meal together is that doable 100 yes, percent. all right i want to take you up because it's killing me that you know i can't see and talk to you after the show and all that well we'll host yeah. it all right all right that's a wrap so thank you to our guests billy durney and jeff porter 
<clears throat> thank you to Dorianne for all her help with this, Billy. Thank you. Yeah, she's uh, the best. Thank you to our engineer, Amanda, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks, I'm Amanda. Sam, thank I'm you. Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.